0: Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Let's try that again. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Is it going to be one of those mornings we got to get you to stand up and stretch it out a little bit? Let's do it. Stand up. Let's stand up. We're going to stretch it out. We're going to say hello to our neighbors. we got to make sure you guys are awake and ready for this uh, from the, for the Word of God. Take a second. Greet your neighbors. What? It's okay to say hi to your neighbors. All right, let's not get carried away. Take our seats. You know, when somebody says good morning and I hear good morning, I'm like, oh, we got to shake it out a little bit. We got to get some energy flowing. You guys got to be ready for the word of God to be able to to take it in, right, to hear it and to, to apply it. You know, before we jump into today's lesson, I want to just encourage us all. Uh, I know we had a bunch of our kids just went downstairs, so the holes look bigger. But remember, we have a lot of people sick right now, right? Uh, I mean, the flus are going around, the COVIDs are going around, the RSVs are going around. You know, my wife and I know like Leslie and other people, you know, that we have that work in the hospitals. They say the hospitals, the ERs are overrun right now. And so they're packed. So let's let's just uh, remember that, you know what I mean? Uh, so for example, you see, you look in the pews, if you know, you know, let's be honest, right? We all sit in the same spot usually. So you know who your neighbors are? Look around, if you haven't seen your neighbors for a week or two, they're probably sick, not feeling well, give them a call, see how they're feeling, make sure that they're okay. See if they need anything, right? I know uh, Linda, right? And Ru- uh, Russ, uh, Linda and Randy are at home. I know he loves Tom John Soup. Right? You get it at Crystal Thai, right? Thai Palette. What is it called? What, what is it? Coastal Thai. I said Crystal Thai. Coastal Thai. So if you want to drop him off some soup, I'm sure he would greatly appreciate it. We got to take care of our shepherds, right? And so, but as we get into today's lesson, it's going to be Attentional Faith Part Two, right? You guys heard Part One last week for those of you who were here. If not, you could go back and you could partake of that uh, online. Whether it's on our website or whether it's uh, on YouTube, but you'll be able to hear part one of intentional faith in 2024. Rather, and this is such uh, an important message, right? And I, I really challenged you guys last week to, to think about what that means to have intentional faith in, in 2024 as we get into this year, right? I mean, this week I want to continue that theme because we talked about how intentional is synonymous with what? We talked about planned, we talked about deliberate. And then we also talked about if we wish to keep Christ alive in our hearts, then we must be intentional. We must be deliberate, deliberate about growing our faith. And so if you guys remember last week, I actually asked a question, I said, who here accomplished their faith goals in 2023? Right? And some people, their hands went up and they had some faith goals. I even asked who had faith goals and some went up. Most of us didn't. And some of us weren't sure what I was even talking about, I'm sure. Well, that can be an issue, right? If you don't have a plan, goals in order to grow your faith, grow spiritually, then you're just going to uh, uh, fall into that rut of life, right? Where each day goes by. I mean, we got so many activities. We got the things going on with the kids. We got dual income households. We're just busy. When do I have time for to grow my faith? When do I have time for personal development? That's the point. You got to have a plan in order to put these goals into effect. That everybody wants to uh, to start each each new year. Uh, many of us we talked about why we fail at plans. We fail at plans because we don't properly prioritize those plans in our lives. We talked about. Excuse me. We talked about removing um, uh, obstacles to fulfilling those plans. We talked about are we willing to remove said obstacles in order to make sure that we're doing the things that we set out to do. And so, brethren, remember: to be intentional is to be deliberate. It's to have a plan. If you if you want to keep Christ alive in your hearts, then you have to have a plan. You got to execute that plan. You got to regularly evaluate where are you at in your faith goals. Where are you at? I mean, think about it. If you got to the end of 2023 and you didn't grow in your faith anymore by the time you got to the end of the year than you were at the beginning of the year, that's a problem, right? Because if you don't have growth in your spirituality, your faith, you're going to end up being stagnant. And we all know that things that are left in stagnant water for too long, they die. And so you see that regularly, and you go back and you can look at the parable of the sowers and things like that to to really have those, see those types of examples. But the point is, brethren, growth in all aspects of life, if you wish to grow, whether it be personally or spiritually, you have to be intentional about it. I told you guys last week, nobody's going to stumble into heaven, right? You're not going to accidentally uh, find yourself in heaven, right? you It's going to be something that you're intentional about. It's going to be deliberate. And so, brethren, the most... Uh, we're going to talk about today and the idea of tools, right? I know in today's modern vernacular we often use tools. If I call you guys a bunch of tools, you would probably think that is used very differently than how sometimes the other uses for the word could be used, right? But we are to be tools in God's toolbox, right? God's holy toolbox. The most advanced tools ever created, if they just sit in a corner collecting dust well, uh, collecting dust, well, then they're useless to their master. They're useless for what they were designed for because, well, they're not utilized. And so we are God's tools, and, and as, we, as tools, do we not often require maintenance? Do tools not often require maintenance? You guys have heard that, uh, that quote about Abraham Lincoln. You know, Abraham Lincoln said, if I was given six hours to cut down a tree, I'd spend the first four hours sharpening the axe. Think about that, right? We understand the analogy, right? He's talking about preparation. And so how prepared are we in order to fulfill the tasks that God has placed in our lives? How how prepared are we to to do the mission, take care of the mission, fulfill the mission that God has given to us? Brethren, preparation is key. And that's why I said last week that intentional faith, spiritual growth, it begins and ends in the word. Because you think about that. When we talk about spiritual growth, right, we must transform our minds. Where does all spiritual growth begin? It begins in the mind. Because before you could have a, a, a life that's being transformed by God's word, you got to understand God's word. you got to be in God's word. you got to be reading it. you got to be internalizing it. And then as the more you fill your, uh, your mind with the word of God, the more it's going to overflow in your life. And it's going to start to be seen outwardly. But that, in order to, to have that to happen, it has to be deliberate. It has to be intentional. I mean, think about it. Where do we learn what love, joy, and peace really look like? Where do we learn what patience, kindness, and goodness really look like? Where do we learn what gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control really look like? Those those words that I just used, right? That's the fruit of the Spirit. Well, we see the example in the Word of God, but we also see the example lived out in the life of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. So if you want to know what love, joy, and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control actually look like, you study out the Word of God. Because he gives us us what it looks like. He, He informs us what it looks like. And he set forth the example through his son and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Brethren, every Christian is not only needed, but every Christian is vital to God's purposes. For the church and the kingdom to grow and to flourish, God needs all of his uh, tools uh, to be sharpened and to be um, uh, well-maintained and ready in order to always be willing to do all that God has required of us. We, the church, represent God's box of these useful tools that I'm talking about. When Jesus was about to ascend back into heaven, did he not give his church a mission? Did he not give his apostles a mission? You guys look at uh, Acts chapter 1 on the screen behind me. In Acts chapter 1, we see in verse 8, you know, the, uh, Jesus, he's getting ready to ascend back into heaven. He's talking to his disciples. He's talking to his apostles, right? He's getting ready to head back home to the Father on a cloud. Daniel chapter 7, 13 and 14, you can read about that there. But you also know, brethren, that when you read this, it says, but you received power. When the Holy Spirit, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to what? Even the remotest parts of the earth. Well, what's the point of that? Brethren, this comes true because that's in Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 2, all of a sudden we see that the Holy Spirit comes upon the men in the upper room. And then as he comes upon the men in the upper room, then the the tongues of fire are uh, lighting upon them, uh, staying with them. Then they start to speak in these foreign languages, right? These other tongues, as it's called. And we know that there were languages because it wasn't just some uh, mumble-jumble because the people outside could understand them. How how can we hear these men speak in our own native language, they said. So they start to speak these languages. And I say that people from all over the known world have now been influenced by the word of God. Because think about it, why are they in Jerusalem? They're there to, uh, to remember the feast, right? They're there for the Passover. And if you were an able-bodied Jew and healthy, you were to ascend upon where? Jerusalem. To ascend upon the temple, to be there. So you had Jews from all over the known world that descended upon Jerusalem for the Passover. And then after hearing Peter give his first speech, we see what? We see that these individuals are, uh, are influenced by the word. They realize that what he's saying is true. And they say, what must we do? And he tells them what to do. And then you fast forward to Acts chapter 8. And for six, seven years, the church was growing and thriving. Iron was sharpening iron, as we uh, read about in Scripture, as as they were there in Jerusalem. And then persecution begins to hit in Acts chapter 8. In Acts chapter 8, it says, these people then were scattered over the known world, right? But they didn't just scatter and hide in a hole. What did they do? They scattered and they continued to preach the word of God. They took the God, the gospel message, the mission that the church is given is uh, is then being fulfilled as they're taking the message out to where Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, even the remotest parts of the earth. Acts 1, Acts 2, Acts 8. Brethren, the gospel flame was spread throughout the known world. And brothers and sisters, God had a mission and he has a plan and he uses his redeemed people to accomplish that plan to his glory. Amen. And so brothers and sisters, the church is God's holy box of tools. The church... Is God's holy box of tools. God uses his tools, meaning our abilities, to bless others, likewise blessing the church. This next passage is a little bit longer, so some of you can't see it uh, real well on the screen behind me. Open up to Romans uh, chapter 12, verse 4 through 8. Because as we look at this, you're going to see how by the grace of God, each of them were, each individuals were given gifts. And as they were given these gifts, then they were supposed to then utilize these gifts... To the the betterment of the church, for the betterment of the kingdom, for the growth of the kingdom. Notice what it says in Romans chapter 12. In Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 4, it says, For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually we're members of one another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, Each of us is to exercise them accordingly, if prophecy according to the the proportion of his faith, if service in his serving, he who teaches in his teaching, he who uh, exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, and he who shows mercy. With cheerfulness. What do you see here? Gifts that were given by the grace of God for the furtherment of the kingdom to his glory and to the benefit of the church. You see, brethren, because when the church does our job, then the church is going to grow. And because why? Because as we grow spiritually, then you're going to have all these individuals who are curious. Why, Brother Pat? It's different than the rest of the teachers at Allen Park uh, uh, High School. Why? Uh, why Thomas is different uh, than maybe some of the other engineers that he works with. What makes these two men different? Why don't they partake of the of the some of the uh, the, des- the desires of the flesh? Why don't they partake of some of what the world has to offer that everybody else is doing it? You know why, What makes these individuals different? How is it that they find that they, they find themselves to be a little bit more upbeat, a little bit more, uh, well, I guess you could say uh, uh, pleasant or uh, uh, joyous as they are going through various trials, as they go through various storms? Why, what is it about them that, that gives them a, a better mindset? Why are they more upbeat? Uh, obviously, I'm just using them too as an example. The point is, this is how we're all supposed to be seen. Right, Because as we transform our minds, it spills over through our lives, and then hopefully our lives are then uh, influencing those around us. And as those lives that we're influencing around us, they're going to become curious, and you have an opportunity then to tell them about your Jesus. To tell them that about all that you have accomplished or all that you do is because of what Christ Jesus has done for you. So you see, brothers and sisters, God is not looking for special tools, right? Have you ever heard somebody say, you know, I wish I I could do more, but I, I don't really have any abilities. I don't really have any talents. God's not looking for specially designed tools for specific things. God is looking for you to use the abilities he has given you in some form or fashion in order to do what? in order to grow the church, in order to grow the kingdom. And every single person, young and old, has abilities that you could use to the furtherment of the church. And so, brothers and sisters, you think about uh, God wanting uh, to use all his people with no matter what their different abilities are. I know some of you guys like to write down scriptures. I'm not going to go over this one. But if you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26 through the end of the chapter, it's going to talk about how God could use you no matter how you see yourself. Right? God is able to use you and your abilities to his glory to the furtherance of the kingdom. You look at this next passage of Scripture on the screen behind me, brother, and we're going to see how God is going to use His disciples, right? He's going to use one of the tools in His toolbox to do what? To create other disciples. Other tools who are able to go out to fulfill the, the, uh, the use of the tool, right? To... to, 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 to uh, fulfill a project, to fulfill a project or to, uh, to do something that God has given us uh, to do. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 and 2, the scriptures tell us, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. This is the Apostle Paul, he's writing to Timothy. He says, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses. He says, I need you to then take this what you've, uh, I've entrusted to you and share it with faithful men who will be able to do what? Teach others. Teach others. It's okay. You guys can say it, right? There, you are supposed to, uh, I entrusted you with the, with the holy word of God. I've mentored you, I've discipled you, now it's time for you to go out. And to do what? Teach. teach. And as you're teaching, guess what you're going to do? You're going to make your own disciples. And then as you, uh, as you help them to grow and mature in their faith, eventually they're going to go out and teach. Teach. Right, you guys ever hear one of those pyramid schemes? This the Lord's church is not a pyramid scheme, but but that's kind of like how it works, right? You you basically train up these individuals and you send them out. They're gonna train up other individuals, and then you're gonna benefit because not from a physical, material standpoint, from a spiritual standpoint, you benefit because you get the gratification to see that the the your young son and daughter in the faith going out fulfilling their mission and bringing glory and honor to God and helping the church to grow and to thrive. Does that make sense? And so we are to be, there should be a a continuous cycle of teaching and making of disciples and teachers to the point to where eventually then it just keeps going and keeps going and it keeps multiplying and multiplying to where all of a sudden we fill the earth. And we fill the earth, the kingdom, with, uh, with the word, and with the gospel, and with souls that are being saved. Brethren, when you think about what the Apostle Paul had to say to young Timothy there, ask yourself, are you available for God's use? Do you make yourself available for God's use? Are you allowing God to use your abilities in the work of the church? Are you allowing God to use your abilities in the work of the church, in the work of the kingdom? Because, brethren, it's easy to fall into that rut and not be useful. Anybody here ever make excuses on why you can't do something? Right? And at the end of the day, anybody here ever use old age as an excuse? Anybody here ever use children? As an excuse for why you can't do something? Careers, spouses, lack of knowledge, busyness of life, etc. 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 Right? How often do we make excuses for why we won't do something? Brothers and sisters, remember when you put on Christ in baptism and God adds you to the kingdom, your work is just beginning. It's kind of like when you get married and you say, I do, you're it's just beginning. You have got to learn to live together. It's kind of like you know, uh, one of those. It's kind of like one of those. Uh, you go to IKEA, right, and you get that beautiful new TV stand, and then you got to go home and assemble it. Assemble it. It's kind of like that, right? You got to you got to assemble it, so to speak. You got to learn how to live to uh, together. You got to learn how to love one another. You got to learn each other's personalities. You got to learn what sacrificial uh, love looks like. And why? Because now we have two people. Right With different maybe goals, uh, two people with different ideas, and then you come together in one flesh. And then you have to make sure that as you're coming together in one flesh, that's why it's so important that we marry somebody, if you're a Christian, who has like, like-mindedness. Right? Uh, the Apostle Paul talks about this in Second Corinthians. Because at the end of the day, brethren, we need to make sure that the one that we partner ourselves with, that we're compatible with. That we have similar mindsets, similar goals, similar beliefs. Why? So we're able to then do what? Uh, come together in the work of the Lord to glorify our holy God. And so brothers and sisters, think about it. When you put on Christ in baptism, you are just beginning your work. Being, a, being available to God means that you are willingly, voluntarily, uh, you willingly volunteer uh, to, do, to use your abilities to what? Use your abilities, use your time to bless others. And as you become a blessing to others, thus the, the church and the kingdom is blessed. Why? Because it's, it's the idea of as you help others to come to Christ, as you allow others to see Christ in you by the works and the deeds that you're performing, then they're going to say, what? why, why, are, you, what, why are you here? Why are you willing to do this and, and you don't want nothing for it? Nobody, everybody has like... Uh, you know, everybody has something that they're looking for, right? Somebody has, most people have ulter, ulter, ulterior motives, right? And so, yeah, I'm willing to do this, but I'm hoping to get something back over here on the side, right? But, but you never ask for anything. Why? What do you have the opportunity to do? Glorify God and let let them know about all that God has done for you. And now you're returning the favor to others. You're showing the love of God through your works, your deeds, your teachings, On and on it could go. So ask yourself: do you need to, do you tend to hold back because you feel that what you have to offer might be small or insignificant? Brothers and sisters, I told you a few minutes ago that God isn't looking for special tools. He's just looking for functional tools. Tools, meaning people who are willing to use their abilities for the furtherance of the church, for the furtherance of the kingdom. No matter how great or small or insignificant, you may think them to be. So God does not leave anyone out of his work. And he can use all our efforts, he can use all of our abilities to fulfill uh, his goal, his mission for our lives and to bring about faith in others. Let me ask you a question. Who here, is somebody a plumber? Electrician? Mechanic? A lawyer? Got any hunters in here? Fishermen? I mean, we're in Michigan, there better be some hunters in here, right? I know we've got at least one fisherman in here as I'm looking at them, and so we got some hunters in here, we got fishermen in here, we got fitness instructors, we got therapists, we got computer IT specialists, we got stay-at-home moms, we got people who are retired, we got, uh, we got factory workers, and we got grandparents, etc., cetera, etc. cetera, et cetera. I made the list diverse to show that everybody has what? Abilities. Everybody has resources, everybody has information, everybody has time, which you can then use that in order to help another individual. And then if if you're out there and you're helping somebody with some plumbing in their home, no strings attached, not asking because it's the right thing to do. You got this individual. Maybe they can't afford it. Maybe they're elderly. Maybe the case, whatever it may be. Maybe you're a doctor. Maybe you're a lawyer, and you use your knowledge, you use your information, you use your resources to help somebody, no strings attached. Then guess what you could do. You could allow that to be an example, and you could tell them about your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You could tell them about all that Jesus has done for you. You could. Tell them uh, about the, you know, how God has blessed you, and you just want to use the blessings to bless somebody else, and all, all the while making sure God gets the glory. And so, brethren, when you do that, then God is using you to bring about faith in other individuals. And so that's why we said last week, if you want the church to grow, it really starts in the word. And then the spiritual growth, the transformation of the mind, which transforms our lives. And now our lives look different. We act different. We talk different. We are involved in different things. And at the same time, we're allowing that to um, other people to be a benefit, us to be a benefit to them, all to the glory of God. Brethren, you see how this cycle goes. If you want to grow in 2024, consider how you can utilize your abilities. Utilize your, your knowledge and your resources and your time to the benefit of another individual which in turn benefits the church. Do you see how that's going? Do you see how that goes? Do you see how that takes place? Brethren, there, it's not a secret. God has given us the blueprint for spiritual growth as well as kingdom growth. But we have to be willing to put ourselves out there. We have to be willing to use our abilities to bless somebody else that can be a blessing to the kingdom. Brethren, each of us has opportunities that nobody else has, but the question is, are our eyes open to being able to see them? Each of us has blessings that only you have, but your eyes have to be open to be able to see them. Brethren, Jesus taught his disciples not to wait for the harvest. Do you remember why? He says, because the harvest is already upon us. Do not wait for the harvest, for the harvest is already upon us. Pray that the Lord sends workers out into the harvest. Well, what was Paul telling Timothy earlier? Brethren, he said, you need to entrust all that I've taught you. Teach it to others who will be able to go out and to teach others. And to be able to go out and to create more disciples, make more disciples, encouraging them. And so that way they could be a blessing to others like your disciple was a blessing to you. Like we're all a blessing to Almighty God. Remember that Jesus had instructed us to, that, that in Acts chapter 1 that we are to go out into Jerusalem, Jamer, uh, uh, Samaria, uh, Judea, and even all to the, uh, to the ends of the earth. So brethren, being available for God's purposes means that we need to do the work of the kingdom all to god's glory being available to god means that passing on the great news of salvation to all the men and women who are willing to hear it and so as i get ready to close this down brother and i want you to think of this illustration i read this in a book i can't remember what book it was in but in a in a, in a shop of a blacksmith there are three types of tools there are there are tools that are on the junk pile these, these tools are outdated, they're broken, they're dull, they're rusty, they're unused. They sit on a, on a table in the corner, some cobwebs all over them, useless to their master. And while they're useless to their master, they're oblivious to their calling. And then there's those tools that are on the anvil. They're melted down, they're molten hot, they're moldable, they're changeable. They lie on the anvil, being shaped by their master, accepting their calling. And then you have those tools of usefulness. Those tools that are sharpened, that are primed, that are defined, that are mobile. They lie ready in the blacksmith's tool chest, available to their master, fulfilling their calling. Brethren, people are like those different types of tools. Because how many people remain useless? Lives are broken. Talents and abilities are being wasted. Fires are quenched. Dreams are dashed. They are tossed into the scrap iron and in desperate need of repair. With no notion of purpose. But then there's those people that remain on the anvil. And as as I said brethren we're like these tools. Those people who remain on the anvil their hearts are open to God. Their hearts are open to the instruction that we receive from God's word. uh, Hungry to change. Their wounds are beginning to heal. Their vision is becoming more clear. And they welcome the painful pounding of the blacksmith's hammer. Longing to be rebuilt and begging to be called into the use of their master. Brethren, and then there's those people who remain in the master's hands. These individuals are well-tuned. They're uncompromising. They're polished and they're productive as tools in, in, in God's toolbox. And they respond to their master's forearm. They respond to the, to the demands that are asked of them. And they surrender all and they ask for nothing. Brethren, I want you to think about that. Surrendering all. Demanding nothing. Being available at a moment's notice for the master's use. Brothers and sisters, you are those tools. You are the holy tools in the toolbox of a holy and righteous God, and he has work for us to do. We have projects that he has for us to accomplish. We have a mission that he has given to us, the kingdom, the church. And you get to decide what type of tool are you going to be. Are you going to be that useless tool that's broken and rusted and laying in the corner? Or are you going to be that tool uh, like many of us are at the beginning of our faith, brethren? At the beginning of our faith when we're being molded, we're being hammered, and we're being shaped. All by the very Word of God, so then we could go out into the world and be useful to our Master. And then you've got those other ones, those other tools, that are already primed, already sharpened, already prepared, well-maintained. Why? Because the Word of God has grown in their lives, they matured in their faith, and they're ready at a moment's notice for the Master's use. Brethren, which tool are you going to be? You see, you get to choose the type of tool that you're going to be. Remember what it says in 1 Peter, as I get ready to shut this down. First Peter chapter 3 and verse 15 says that we are to sanctify Christ as Lord in our hearts. That means our minds always being ready, always being prepared to do what? To make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you. Yet with gentleness and reverence. Brethren, to sanctify means to set apart. We are to be set apart from the world. We are to look like the world. We're to be different from the world. And we're to basically transform our hearts, transform our minds, so that way we can be prepared for all that God has asked us to do at a moment's notice. You see, brethren, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, he lays out part of the plan that should be in place. And last week I told you that the, to be intentional, deliberate, and have a planned faith in 2024, <clears throat> we need to make sure that we are ready, that we have that plan, that we're executing the plan, that we're growing in our faith by growing in our knowledge and allowing that knowledge to bleed over into our lives and then allowing that to affect the relationships that we have with coworkers, family members, and friends. So as tools in God's toolbox, no matter how hard life gets or what trials are going to come your way, we must remain well-tuned. We must uh, be uncompromising and we must be sharp. And it's that word of God, brethren, that helps to keep us sharp. It's that fellowship with other brethren where iron sharpens iron that we need to make sure that we're partaking of. It's the being uncompromising when we are talking with people in the world and, and, and people are trying to uh, people are uh, sugar or candy coating uh, the Word of God, and they're and they're uh, they're willingly and willfully changing the Word of God. We need to make sure that we're uncompromising and standing up for the very Word of God. Because as Pat said during the Lord's Supper, we are the ambassadors of Christ. We are God's representative. If we don't stand for the Word of God, who's going to stand for the Word? So brothers and sisters, we have to uh, maintain ourselves. We need to remain well-tuned. And we do that by keeping ourselves in the Word, by allowing the Word to affect our lives, and allowing our lives to affect others to the benefit of the church and to the glory of God. So if you're hearing this message this morning, brethren, we're going to continue to keep looking at what we can do to hone ourselves, if you will, to maintain ourselves as tools For God's use. And we're going to look at this even deeper next week. And we're going to start to look at different aspects of how in 2024 we can become more productive uh, and utilize the abilities that we have to God's glory. So if you're hearing this message today and you're not a child of God, but your desire is to become a child of God. You can be baptized. you receive the remission of your sins. That means your sins are washed away. They're forgiven. God uh, is going to add you to the church, and we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Brethren, if that is your desire here this morning, come forward as we stand and sing the song of invitation.